0: up sons and daughters this is sam jesse from the locks of saturday i got brett robert and chris and guys happy thanksgiving real quick favorite thanksgiving side brett you're up first rapid fire
1: mm, uh soup to the casserole robert cranberry sauce so
0: nice soft. love it chris i'm gonna have to go
2: stuffing because it's the novelty of stuffing but just to make sure Erby can just double down on it cranberry sauce from a can or cranberry sauce that's made kind of homemade scratch
3: the ocean spray canned is actually pretty good i'm not gonna lie i like it
2: it's like popping the cork on the wine the suction noise coming out of the can just absolutely kicks off the holiday season. my personal opinion i'm i'm full canned cranberry saucing and i'm not gonna leave that island
0: I'm a combo of Robert and Chris. I-, I love stuffing. I love a cranberry sauce. I'm really the only one in my family that goes for it. And uh, Brett, my mom is in the kitchen right now making sweet potato casseroles. So um, oh, it's all in the family.
1: It's like, it's like having uh, so dessert. dessert while you're eating. Basically. Basically. It's it's pretty
0: awesome. So and we have a lot of football this weekend. NFL, college. Some games got canceled. Some games got switched around. We have some... New matchups that came about literally yesterday that we're going to talk about in the Pac-12. It's going to be fun. Doing it a little bit different this week as well. To mix it up, each one of us is going to give you a parlay for the weekend. Super exciting, super fun. Hail Mary parlays. It's going to be awesome. And then we're each giving you three games of our choosing that you can go out and bet. These are great picks handpicked from the crew of locks of saturday and it's awesome our article with ed and ryan's picks they're not with us they're out doing family things on thanksgiving their picks are in there as well as well as their parlays Uh, ryan has a sweet overs parlay in there Uh, ed's got some good stuff awesome check it out on saturday.com guys we'll get right into it with our parlays chris this is de facto rivalry week. I mean, it's the Thanksgiving week. We usually see Tech UVA this week. It's being pushed back a week this time, but still, a lot of big rivalry games, some awesome trophies on the line on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't just ignore the fact that it's still rivalry week and it doesn't feel like it. So I, I feel like I had to celebrate it in some fashion in this case. So I went out and looked at all of the rivalry games that were either a still being played and on cue with the Thanksgiving weekend and b not completely canceled, which is in, in really, really disappointing because I think the apple cup was one of the ones that I was looking forward to. And that one was unfortunately canceled. So I, uh, I went ahead and kind of pulled together the, parlay grouping that I thought would be the most valuable and for me that was and I know a lot of people have this pick and some other straight up bets but um I I I got Alabama at minus 25 points at Auburn it's a huge line and we can go into why um I have Cal minus 1.5 versus Stanford Oregon minus 13 and a half versus Oregon State and then Ole Miss straight up money line victory versus Mississippi State uh, so kind of just quickly going into each of these and, um, I know some others will touch on it, uh, after the fact here, but just Bama and Auburn are just two programs right now that just seem to be in divergent paths. Um, I know Saban was, uh, kind of given the COVID-19 positive test for this week, so he will not be coaching, but it doesn't matter. Um, Bama is playing this game solely to get style points to guarantee their spot in the college football playoff, which is what I also think that Oregon versus Oregon State is also trying to do with their very highly amended season. Um, You just, you have to go with those two dominant programs, trying to make a statement game as we get closer and closer to the college football playoff. And I just do not see Bo Nix being able to keep pace with the Auburn offense going up against this Alabama team. They're just a well-oiled machine and nothing at this point shows me that they can keep up within like a three to four touchdown spread, uh, versus Auburn. So unfortunately the iron bull, I think this year is probably going to be a blowout. Um, I, I included Calver Stanford just as like a value pick. Um, it's the old, you know, the band is on the field type rivalry. It's one of those ones that not a lot of other one, uh, excuse me, get a lot of uh, accolades for cause it's, it's lost a lot of its luster, but, If you look last year, and I have to go with last year because this year for the Pac-12, it's been a complete disaster in how they've managed to not only just uh, uh, come up with a standardized protocol in place for all the COVID-19 and contact tracing, it's more independently city by city more so than by conference. Um, And so both of them are off to a a really bad start. But if you look over the last few years, Stanford's trending down. Cal's actually trending up, most notably on defense. So I just feel like this is more of a play of – um, it's a close spread. And in the end of the day, like I think the Cal is just overall the better team. So if it's a minus one and a half, I think that they win this game by at least a field goal and plus. Um, and then last but not least the egg bowl. I love the egg bowl. I love that. This is Lane Kiffin versus Mike Leach. And a lot of uh, people were alluding to this when they're both hired last off season, that this being kind of like. The weirdest uh, uh, egg ball to date um, in a long time, just because of these two coaches' personalities, and unfortunately, Mississippi State lost a lot of its luster just with their um, uh, their, their season to date. It's been kind of disappointing. A lot of people thought that Mississippi State, with their quarterback KJ Costello, was going to come in and just light up the scoreboard. But um, what they haven't done, Ole Miss has done. Uh, so I feel like we're at minus three thirty that's uh I feel very comfortable that Ole Miss is going to try to at least win this game even up their season and get a lot of momentum going into next year so all of those together that's my rivalry parlay plus 807 I think is what the payout is so if all of these hit it's a nice little tasty payday to uh, sit back you know digest that turkey and and enjoy the uh enjoy the uh, the late evening games. But um, that that would be the uh, the rivalry parlay for, for the Thanksgiving weekend.
0: Yeah, let's go into the Iron Bowl a bit. Obviously, one of the biggest games in college football calendar every year, and it's just crazy to see Alabama uh, minus 24 and a half, but deservedly so. I mean, Auburn is one of those teams where they're somehow a top 25 team, although they've looked really not good at all this year. And Alabama is looking like, Right now, the best team in the country, um, especially considering Clemson has a loss. Ohio State uh, came out close against Indiana. Not that Indiana is not a good team. We'll get to Indiana in a little bit, but I, Alabama is just you know wiping everybody off the field. So we'll get a bit into that. But I am a little surprised at Auburn not being a little bit closer in this one because this game always kind of goes against the edge of the flow. If if Alabama's coming in, trying to get to the SEC title, Auburn wins. If Auburn's coming in, they have the hype. Alabama's going to show them who's boss, show them who's big brother in that state. So, Brett, I know you have this on your ticket. You also have the over-under on your ticket, so take it away. Alabama, Auburn, and the Ironman.
1: Yeah, I have the over at sixty-two and a half, and here's why. I think we all know that this is Alabama's best offense, arguably in the last decade. I mean, it might be more than that. I mean, it's just insane what they can do with their receivers and Mac Jones at the helm, and they're they're capable of putting up sixty points themselves, honestly. So this is my point: is that if Auburn wants to even keep it close, because the spread is so large, it's going to have to get over sixty. I mean, I, I don't, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be definitely an iron bowl for the ages. This game is close and I don't think the tide even needs Saban to put up the points. So that's where I have it at the over. And then I have them in my parlay to at 24 and a half for Auburn. Like I said, I think just for them to make a statement that they're the best team in college football, they're going to just go out there and absolutely destroy them putting up who, who knows 50 maybe. <laughs> so it'll be, um, It's pretty interesting seeing a line like this and how it usually goes against the grain. It's a rivalry game, but in a year when it's not, you know, not full of fans, I I think it really just going to be comes down to gameplay.
3: Yeah, and I have this game on my ticket as well uh, as one of the games I'm picking. But I have Auburn plus twenty four and a half here, um, and here's why: Auburn, as disappointing as they have been this year. Gus Malzahn always knows how to turn it on whenever his job is on the line. And he has done that as Auburn don't look now, but they've won three in a row and they're definitely playing better. Bo Nix is playing slightly less mediocre, I guess, Um, you know, tank Bigsby is questionable for this game. So that will definitely hurt Auburn, but Alabama not having Nick Saban is huge. Not having Jalen Waddle is also huge. As great as this Alabama offense is, it's clear that they are not the same offense without Waddle. Um, I think at the end of the day, Auburn they just do just enough to cover the spread. They hang around, and Alabama could have a convincing win and only win by 21, and Auburn would still cover this. I just think 24 and a half is an insane spread. For one of the best rivalries, if not the best rivalry in college football.
0: Yeah, it's a big number. I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn kind of backdoor covers that as well, just because it's it's so big. And I also think if you're looking at Mac Jones, quarterback for Alabama, this might be a Heisman statement game. Um. Hey, he doesn't really have many more opportunities. It's crazy. I mean, we're at the end of November. It feels like there's so much football left to be played, but here we are at the end of November, and he is starting to. I mean, he's firmly in the top three with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, but you know he's going to have to bump over those guys at some point. So this is a game. A lot of eyes will be on it, obviously, because it's the Iron Bowl, and you know who knows what can happen. It's one of those matchups. Or reason, it's a rivalry for a reason. These guys hate each other. Who knows what can happen? Chris, why don't you give us uh, one of your uh, single game picks, and then we'll head over to uh, Brett's parlay.
4: Yeah,
2: absolutely. So just. In this slate, the one that stood out to me just because of where these programs are at um, and where they're also trending towards, uh, it's been moving a lot in the last two, so it's tough to kind of nail it down. I saw it as a pick them but I actually think it actually moved now to Iowa State minus one, so I might have to adjust that on the site, but Iowa State minus one at Texas, and I have Iowa State, and this was previously I think Texas minus two. So there's been a lot of action coming in on the Cyclones on this one for good reason. They're just the better football team. If you look across the board for both how they measure up offensively, defensively uh, coaching um, you name it, they're just better every sense and part of the game um, than Texas is right now. And so while Texas has been kind of deemed, um, after their early season hiccups to be kind of like back on track a little bit, they're still not as I would say, like uh efficient across the board and both sides of the ball that Iowa State is. And that's it just come to me, if the offenses are similar like that. I think they're both ranked kind of back to back um in national scoring offense and total offense. And Iowa State, I think, is roughly of like maybe like 10, maybe uh, 20 ranks higher. Um, the difference here is just Matt Campbell versus uh, Herman. And I think that's the difference maker in this game, which is if it's that close of a game and I have to pick this, I have to believe that Matt Campbell's going to have his team up and ready to play. And this is a huge game for him because if he takes this one, um, they're essentially – Walking towards a Big 12 championship, which I looked into it, that would be the first one for Iowa State since I think like 1912. So they have a lot to play for in this one, and I think Matt Campbell is also looking for um, just a huge statement here, as you know, his completion of the the complete renovation project at Iowa State and and beating Oklahoma and Texas in the same season on your way to a Big 12 championship would be huge for him. Um, in the stature of his program right now. So, uh, for me, just with that close of a game, I have to give the edge to the Iowa state here.
0: You could make the argument that Iowa state has the better coach and maybe on some days, the better quarterback with Brock Purdy versus Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger, he can put up some big numbers, but Brock Purdy's a baller. So that'll be a really interesting matchup to see. The Big 12 has been just a cluster this year. Who knows what's happening in that conference? It was Oklahoma, and then it was Kansas State, then it was Texas, now it's Iowa State. So who knows who's going to be a left-standing Brett. Why don't you give us your parlay, which you have dubbed the anger-infused parlay. Why so angry? It's the holiday season, man.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, when I said anger and I just saw the Clemson 20, minus 24 versus Pitt, which I've included in it. And I was just like, Clemson was pissed. And I put it all capitals that they got their game canceled this weekend <laughs> from Florida State, from whatever, if you want to call it an excuse, if you want to call it reality, I mean, that's for you to decide. But I think they're going to go out there and just take it out on Pitt. It's really bad timing for Pitt. They're facing COVID-19 issues. Obviously that didn't matter this past weekend, but I think it's going to matter against Clemson and they're just going to keep trudging along because they're are going to have to try to keep their place in the college football playoff, even though they're going to probably face Notre Dame again. So they're going to really, they can't afford to, I don't think, waiver at all. So I think they're going to uh, blow a pit out of the water. Um, And then I already talked about Alabama. I have them minus 24 and a half versus Auburn. I already briefly talked about that. And then I have Indiana minus 11 versus Maryland and Indiana. Early did not look good against Ohio State, but they they really did make a push towards the end of that game. That was like, wow, this team can actually compete. I mean, Penix is absolute Penix. I guess that's how you say it. He's incredible. I mean, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in college football that really nobody's honestly talking about unless you watch Big Ten football. And I expect him to keep that momentum as they wild Maryland because I think they still have a chance to really shake things up still in the Big Ten. So, yeah, Indiana minus eleven, Auburn. I mean, I'm sorry, Alabama minus 24 and a half, Clemson minus 24. Some big spreads for parways. I will definitely admit that, but I have that as plus 596.
0: Yeah, and let's get into that Indiana-Maryland matchup. A few of us have it on our cards. I think it's a great line to look at with minus 11. Indiana showed some serious guts going into the horseshoe, and it looked for a bit, and I think I put it in our Slack group. I was like, Ohio State might win this game by 50 They were looking so much bigger, faster, stronger to start that game. And then all of a sudden, Indiana has it a touchdown game. Late in the fourth quarter, it's a touchdown game. Those guys are just gamers. They ball. And I really like what Tom Allen has done with that program. They're not scared to play anybody. Offensively, they can do so many things. They can run, they can pass, quick pass game, down the field pass game. Their defensive line gave Justin Fields fits all game long. Justin Fields has never never been that careless with the ball. And he has never been pressured like that, even when he's been playing Michigan, Penn State, when he was playing Clemson. He hasn't been pressured like that. What they were able to do on the defensive front kind of shows you how far this program has come from being a bottom feeder in the Big Ten to a team that can go into the horseshoe and give Ohio State a game. I think Maryland is one of those teams where – they're going to score 62 against the team and then they're going to come out and score six. It's just how they are. They have some talent, not enough. I think Indiana can win this one really comfortably. Uh, Guys, what do you think about this with the Hoosiers and Terrapins?
3: So I've actually got Maryland. uh, So the line is 11 now, right? Is that what you said?
0: It has been moving between uh, like 12, 11 and, a half, and 11 for the past couple days. So uh, it's two touchdowns for Indiana gets, wins you your money.
3: Okay, because I, I had Maryland at 12, plus 12. Regardless, whether it's plus 11 or plus 12, I like Maryland here. Um, and the reason why is this. Indiana looked incredible against Ohio State. I think that they should be very proud of – You know, about as proud of a loss as you could be, um, losing by only one touchdown. But here's a stat for you. Since 2017, teams that either beat Ohio State or lose to them by one possession are three and six in their next game. So that means when you play Ohio State, you are putting all of your eggs in that basket. And you are exuding all of your energy to try and beat the Buckeyes because they are just that much better than you are and that much better than everyone else you're going to play, especially in the Big Ten. Um, so I think that Indiana might be in store for a letdown here. And Maryland has not the most talent by any means, but they have a really good energy with Talia Tagovailoa, uh, Baby Tua, if you want to call him, and Mike Loxley. You know, they've, they've looked good in some games this year, you know, they're, they're, they haven't played in three weeks, which I think is a disadvantage. So I don't see Maryland winning this game, but I think Indiana will be burnt out from that game last week, that this is at least close enough to be a one possession game. Yeah,
0: it should be a good matchup. Um, And you know, Maryland is a team that I feel like is so close to getting momentum. When it talks about recruiting, they've recruited much, much better. They're getting a lot of transfers. Virginia Tech fans know that very well. Uh, so they just kind of need to start actually winning games because they're getting this momentum in the offseason and then recruiting, and they've got some good coaching hires. So uh, that'll be interesting as well. Uh, Robert, why don't you give us your parlay, the let. Let's bet every ACC game and see what happens, Parlay, a.k.a. the Mark
3: Packer. Yes, yes. We are going to bet every single ACC ACC game and see what happens because no one, and I mean no one, loves ACC football as much as Mark Packer, the Pac-Man himself.
0: He's so fantastic, by the way. He's probably the only person on ACC Network who knows what he's talking about.
1: Oh, he is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, we could have Paul Feinbaum, but we have Mark Packer mark packer instead which i'm very happy about
3: <laughs> yeah you know what's the difference between mark packer and paul feinbaum mark packer actually knows what he's talking about exactly
2: <laughs> i think paul feinbaum just heard that with his his massive satellite ears so he, you might want to make sure that
3: <laughs> oh is he gonna <laughs> you're, you're,
2: you're you're keeping your your uh, your tone down whispering
3: yeah this is not a paul feinbaum podcast i'll just be honest um Anyway, so with this parlay, we have – we've got some upsets in here. So we have the North Carolina money line against Notre Dame. We have NC State minus 14.5 at Syracuse. We have Clemson minus 23.5 versus Pittsburgh. We've got the Louisville money line at Boston College. We've got Georgia Tech in a pick'em versus Duke. We've got the Florida State money line at Virginia – and last but not least, we have the Louisville Boston College over, and this total, I, I rounded up by about eighteen dollars, but it is plus twenty six thousand. So if this thing actually somehow hits, I it's it'll be pandemonium, and it will be in honor of the great man himself, the man with the greatest Justin Fuente impression of all time, Mark Packer. I can I can dive into each one of these games if you want, uh, but I'll do this real quick. North Carolina, they play well. They against tough opponents. They play to the level of their opponent. They're gonna upset Notre Dame on the road. NC State, they're way better than Syracuse. 14 and a half is not enough points. Clemson, oh, what's that? A chip on Dabo's shoulder? Yikes, watch out, America. Louisville, I don't know. Just a feeling. I like them at Boston College. Georgia Tech. Just think they're more talented. Florida State. UVA tends to lose these games where they're playing a terrible team, and I like Florida State to get the upset on the road. Lastly, Louisville, Boston College. These are two very good offenses two not great defenses. I'm hammering the over.
0: I I I love it. I love everything about it. <laughs> I, I it have too. no idea if it's going to happen. Well, it's ACC football. Like no one knows what's going to happen. Like it, I have no <laughs> idea if who's going to win between Louisville and Boston college, no idea. And I think that's also one of the really cool things about ACC football is rarely do you have these games where it's like, Oh, I know this team is going to blow them out the water. Like unless someone's playing Clemson you it's, it could always happen every single week. So I think this is fun. If you've never done a parlay with ACC teams, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, I'm a little, We'll we'll go into the North Carolina-Notre Dame game because a lot of people have that. It's one of the high-profile games of the week. Uh, Notre Dame is minus four going into Chapel Hill. I believe that line has stayed pretty steady. Uh, Personally, I I have Notre Dame in that one. I have that as one of my game picks. Uh, I just think Notre Dame is legit this year. They're always winning games, but I think this year they're more consistent that defense has answered questions that they had in preseason. Their front seven is amazing. Ian Book, all he does is win, and I think he looks a lot more comfortable pushing the ball downfield than he had in previous years where he kind of just wanted to throw slants, ins, outs, get the ball to chase Claypool, get the ball to uh, Cole Komet really quick, and then see what happens. He's looking to push the ball downfield a little bit more, and UNC, like, uh, UNC can – can play, but I think they're still a year away. And we've talked about that on this podcast before, where they might be a year away from really competing with the big boys of college football. This game could be close, but I still think Notre Dame can win this by a possession or two. Uh, Chris, Brett, uh, how are you feeling about this one, which is an ACC matchup. Probably the, probably the only time you're going to be able to say that uh, with UNC versus Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think just. Go go oh, I'm on. sorry, Brett. You want to go, or i to start. But um, go ahead, Chris, I think defensively, uh, the hype around what UNC could have brought to the table. I mean, Chas Surratt has not necessarily lived up to his billing this season, based off of preseason expectations. Uh, and if you've never heard, he used to play quarterback. I I, I never heard that one before, but um, they, they they tend to bring it up during games, but. Um, you're, you're right, Sam. I'm I'm on Notre Dame with this one. I just feel like they're more consistent. Uh, Brian Kelly seems like he's actually out to prove something and get into that college football kind of final four this season. Um, which, you know, it's happened within the last three years too. Like Notre Dame has not necessarily always been an odd man out. So they want to get back into that. And they have championship expectations and a team, a veteran team, uh, mind you, that can actually get to that point. So that's the exact type of team that could go into Carolina and and take care of business. And um, as was alluded to before, I just think that UNC is still just another year away. You know, they got a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail. They have a couple elements in place. You know, Sam Howell year two will probably be better. Sam Howell year three. I just feel like this year they're just not necessarily uh, able to stack up against the absolute top of not just the ACC, which is Clemson and Notre Dame, but Clemson and Notre Dame happen to be the top in the nation. And and that's, that, that, that's a different ball game for them.
1: Yeah, I think it's just Notre Dame. I've always been on the Notre, Notre Dame is overrated hype train, like every year, pretty much, ever since they got blown out in the, in the playoff. I just like, ever since then, I was like, I don't believe anything. But I said in the article, I'm channeling my, interleague corso saying not so fast i think that they're legit this year and also saying that they're just going to play their game they're going to keep their own pace of the game and be in control to score by i think to win by at least a touchdown i mean unc i think is kind of already given up on the season i mean they have really high hopes especially after, after beating us i mean i think they really were looking to maybe sneak into the playoff or at least get to ac championship but that has come crumbling down So I think they're just looking forward to next season and bringing everybody back because UNC is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the ACC for the next two to three years with the talent they have. So I think the Irish should get it done by a touchdown or more just solely based off the fact that they're going to control the game and UNC I think is already thinking about next year.
0: Yeah, I think Notre Dame is playing for a playoff spot and UNC is playing for pride and i you know, I'm sure they have lots of pride, but Notre Dame's going to want that rematch with Clemson and they're going to want to shout the college football playoff because I think this year, more than maybe any other year, they could make some noise Just because I don't think teams are going to be um, as dominant at the top in big games like that, like we maybe have seen. Like, I don't think you're going to have a team like Clemson or Alabama who just looks so, so polished like they usually do just because everything is so weird. Practice times are different. Practices themselves are different. Uh, so so who knows? I think this is a year that Notre Dame could make some serious noise. Also, the last, I believe it's been the last four years of the college football playoff. The team who was number two in this week's college football playoff ranking has won the national title. Notre Dame is number two, correct? Right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. It's a statement of fact. I'm not gonna. They're not overrated, but I'm not going quite that far yet. It's
0: I just put out a statement of fact. That's all I. <laughs> all I do is read the facts, man. The uh, what is it that? What is it that Chris Berman said? That's not analytics. That's a fact. Uh, uh, which was one of the funniest comments I've I've ever heard. Uh, you know, let's kick it to Chris. You have two more game picks. Let's hit up with the Memphis at Navy. Get some American Conference action, going.
2: <laughs> so in all honesty, this was one of my replacements game. Uh, I did have uh, OU West Virginia because I felt a little stronger about it, but this one was kind of closely right behind. Uh, essentially, this is just these teams are terrible, and there is value in playing spreads with two terrible teams Um, and the one was just looking at the spread navy as a 13 and a half point home dog going against memphis who hasn't been able to stop anybody on defense at all this year and then navy looking really awful against byu really awful against air force two offenses that are elite at offensive passing, which is BYU and and rushing in air force that dramatically skewed a lot of their, their kind of standing uh, as a defensive team. And you just see that that they're not as bad as a 13 and a half point home dog. And so it just, it makes sense. I I do think Memphis is overall the better team, but just 13 and a half points is just way too many for Memphis to be favored as a road favorite. Um, So that's why I'm playing the midshipman this week.
0: I like it. I like it. It's hard to bet against the triple option as well because you never know how a defense is going to react to that. So um, betting any of the service Academies, um, it's always a good move. Always a good move. I'm going to hit you guys with my parlay, which is the West Coast After Dark parlay presented by In-N-Out Burgers. Guys, I love West Coast after dark football, you know I do. I'm not wearing my Mountain West Conference shirt. I'm wearing the uh, exclusive Main Street Pharmacy Sons of Saturday t-shirt right now. But I got you some Mountain West games, and I got you a replacement Pac-12 game. I am so excited about these. Nevada, minus 6.5 at Hawaii. Boise State, minus 13 and a half for San Jose State. And Washington, minus 7 versus Utah. We'll start on the islands. Hawaii is a scrappy team, but they're in a rebuilding year. Scrappy, but rebuilding. And Nevada is one of the best kept seekers in college football. They are 4-0. Carson Strong, quarterback in Nevada. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. The guy's on fire. Nevada also has a future NFL wide receiver. Will probably be all Mountain West this year in Romeo Dubs. The guy is 6'3", really lanky arms, track speed, Mismatch nightmare for any of those guys out there. Uh, I really like Nevada to win this one by a touchdown um, or more. Uh, I think Nevada is a really fun team to watch. If you haven't gotten to watch them yet this year, stay up for it. It's worth it. Boise State minus 13 and a half for San Jose State. I'm a big San Jose State fan. They have been playing very well this year. Uh, They are 4-0 for the first time in like forever. Like maybe actually forever. I I haven't checked the stats, but – They're playing much better football, but they haven't played anyone to the caliber of Boise State yet. And you never, ever, ever bet against Boise State playing on the blue turf. You just don't do it. I don't care who they're playing. Don't bet against Boise State on the blue turf. They're coming off an absolute shellacking of Colorado State where they scored three special teams touchdowns. Uh, You can't bet against Boise State. Give me them by two touchdowns or more. Hank Bachmeyer back at the helm for Boise State. He had some injury issues, wasn't able to play against BYU. I think Boise State could win this one and move into the top 25. If Nevada wins, moves to 5 0, they might be sneaking into the top 25 as well. So, big night for the Mountain West. And a game that was announced yesterday. We are recording this uh, Wednesday night. This was announced Tuesday evening. Washington will host Utah. In Seattle, Utah, another team rebuilding, great program, rebuilding year. They don't have they don't have the talent, they don't have the seniority that we're used to seeing with Utah, and they're going up against a Washington team that is much more talented than than what people think. Washington is still playing for a Pac-12 title, and they don't really have national uh, New Year Six energy to them this year, which is kind of their standard. Maybe not this year, but. Seven points is way too small. Way too small. I think the Huskies win this one. I'm also, just like you do not bet against the Blue Turf. Don't bet against the sound. If the team, if if the fans of the team tailgate on yachts in a sound, you have to bet them. It's on my college football bucket list. I, I love that. Washington at home, go for it every time. Uh, So that's my parlay. That'll get you to plus 597. So it's a pretty hefty parlay. Um, You might have to move around the lines a little bit. I I would take Nevada to win by a possession or a touchdown, excuse me. And then Boise State to win by two touchdowns. Washington might want to move that to minus six and a half so that they get a touchdown. Or you can move it up to two possessions. Either way, you're looking at somewhere between plus 550 and plus 650. So super exciting. Stay up on Saturday night. It is going to be Worth it, guys. Any thoughts on my West Coast After Dark Parlay presented by In-N-Out Burgers?
2: I would just like In-N-Out's to say, overrated. Romeo, oh, I'm sorry, Brett.
1: I was going to say, In-N-Out's overrated. That's all I have to say.
2: <laughs> I was to say, Romeo Dubs is an elite wide receiver name. Like that's awesome. Like that guy, I want to draft him now to my favorite team.
0: <laughs> no, he's he's such a good player, and I think Nevada does this like every three or four years. They just have a team with NFL guys on it. And they did not have a lot of hype coming into the season. They were stuck behind Boise State, San Diego State. Um and, and you know, they have just come out in ball. They've looked really good this year. They've looked really crisp. Uh they had that game that we all bet against Wyoming and they were able to beat Wyoming. So uh the Wolfpack are looking really good this year.
2: Yeah. I would just want to agree that the the Washington, Utah Matchup. I mean, what Peterson kind of handed off the program to Jimmy Lake that seemed like they're more set up for success, Whittingham and Reba. I think they're one of the highest amount of attrition rates other than maybe like of of the power five, like other than I think it was LSU as far as like returning players coming back. um, Just I would definitely back Washington Huskies big in that matchup. Irby.
3: Also, Hank Bachmeyer from Boise. Might be the most underrated quarterback in the country. Dude is so good. He was a four-star quarterback that went to Boise. That doesn't happen. 2022 NFL Draft, keep your eye on that guy. For
0: real. Yeah, Boise is looking good. I think a lot of people saw that game against BYU and just kind of snubbed their nose at him, but uh, they were down to their third-string quarterback. Their other four-star quarterback, uh, Sears, the transfer from USC, was injured about the first drive, so... Uh, They've had some injury issues. They've had some COVID issues, but they look healthy now. They're dominant on special teams. They're dominant on defense. They're fun to watch on offense. Keep an eye on the Boise State Broncos. And again, never, ever, ever bet against the Blue Turf. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. All right, guys. Brett, give us your next pick. Take us back to Power 5 football in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, so... I want to talk about a team that I think nobody's really talking about too much is Northwestern. I have them at minus 13 and a half against Michigan state. And just to preface this, Northwestern is first in the big 10 West. This is not a dream. This is happening. The Northwestern football is, is first in the big 10 West. Okay. Now we're all on the same page. This team is hot right now. I mean, they're, they're looking good. I mean, they held a Wisconsin team to seven points last week that supposedly is going to have one of the better offenses in the big 10. And they just, they dominated the whole game, even though they only won by 10, but it was incredible what they've been doing all season. And Michigan state, however, is the complete opposite aside from their win at Michigan, whoever knows what's happening in Ann Arbor, they've looked terrible. They put up seven total points in their last two games. And Northwestern, like I said, has defeated a ranked Wisconsin and a tough Purdue team with some really, really good players. And, I think it's just got to be that new Lakeside facility that's got them going. I mean, I don't know if you've seen videos of that place, but it's incredible. It, it probably is the one of the best facilities in college football now.
0: There's a video on the last lock Saturday uh, that was a, a tour. Oh, it. that's right. It's, yeah. it's so cool. Um, also, very easy to recruit to Chicago.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you got, I think this is one of my hammers this week is 13 and a half. Um, Two scores, you can get it at right. Uh, still thirteen and a half. You can get it at two scores. I think Northwestern's going to blow them out of the water. Right? And this is going to sound freaky. I said I said it earlier amongst all of us that if Northwestern somehow wins out, somehow beats Ohio State, there's a chance they can get into the playoff. I mean, they're 11th in the country right now with three games to go. I mean, it's anything is possible. So. I think people need to start thinking about (laughs) what this team is possible, uh, capable of doing.
0: I, I know Irby is shocked at how they played against Wisconsin. He locked it in last week. I (laughs) locked it in last week and Wisconsin just decided not to show up. Uh, They were, they were very sleepy and, but, hey, I mean, maybe that's what Northwestern can do to teams. And if they can do it to Wisconsin, maybe they can do it to Ohio State. Maybe they can do it to whoever they play in the postseason. Who knows? Um, they're obviously a well-coached well team. Pat Fitzgerald, one of the better coaches in all the country. Uh, he'll certainly be getting looks after this year to not only higher-level college football teams, but also maybe some NFL teams. So, um, you know, good for Northwestern. They do this every every four or five years. They They come out of nowhere and have a really good football team. So, so good on them. Robert, let's go down south a little bit. You have K State and Baylor, another Big 12 game. And who knows what's happening with Baylor this year? Team that was supposed to be pretty good with Charlie Brewer, younger brother of Michael Brewer, Virginia Tech quarterbacking legend, uh, at the helm and kind of not really made a splash this year. They've had a lot of COVID issues. But give us something about the K State Baylor game.
3: Yeah, and real quick after that Wisconsin game, I mean, I I have I feel like I have to retire the free money claim because <laughs> oh, that's good. I I didn't feel more confident about a pick than I ever felt about that Wisconsin pick, and they just totally blew it. Um, so I'm not claiming anything to be free money any anytime soon. But yes, with this K-State-Baylor game, I mean, guys, how often do you see a four-win team be a -a five-and-a-half-point underdog against a one-win conference opponent? And now, granted, these are two not very good teams. They have lost a combined eight games in a row. Uh, Clearly, that will end for one of them, as that's how football works, but I just don't understand how Kansas state who is four and four can be a five and a half point underdog. And even though they haven't looked great, especially recently, they are five and three against the spread. So even if Baylor squeaks out the win at home, I just don't, don't think that they can cover that big spread when they've only won one game all year. Um, And also I would not recommend watching this game. If you find yourself watching this game on Saturday night, it is a Saturday night, and you are watching Kansas State and Baylor, I want you to look at yourself in the mirror, look at yourself in the mirror, ask yourself why, then grab your remote and change the channel. Because these are two terrible football teams, and (laughs) it is not worth your time to watch it.
0: While that game is happening, you could be watching Utah at Washington. You could be watching, um, let's see, LSU at Texas A&M. That's a big game that we haven't talked about. Texas A&M, number five in the country. They're looking like college football playoff contender. You could watch uh, Virginia, Florida State. Um, You could watch Arizona, UCLA. Those are all better games than the one that Irby's mentioned. And so, yes, I would say, as a college football fan, please do not watch this football game. But you don't have to watch the game to bet on it. You know, that's that's part of the fun. You just check your phone. Oh, look, I lost my money. Darn. Or, oh, yeah, I knew Kansas State was going to win by a few touchdowns because Robert Ir- Irby told me to on the locks of Saturday. So, Yeah. I, I like that pick. I'm kind of surprised about uh, that line. I didn't really think about that. And also K-State, that's a team that a few weeks ago, we were on here talking about that they were in the driver's seat for the Big 12. And then they went to Morgantown, West Virginia, and you know got their tails beat. Never since then, it's it's been uh, pretty pathetic from the Wildcats.
3: Yeah, they, uh, they were in the driver's seat, and they veered uh, forcefully off to off the side of the road and crashed and burned. <laughs> uh.
0: Well, Irby, we talking about another pick that you really liked that might not happen? Uh, Oregon, you had them as a, a playoff, a national title team, actually, um, and they haven't lost. They've looked, they've looked decent. Uh, they're two and zero, and they square up for the game that used to be called the Civil War. Um, it turns out calling a game the Civil War in a nation that has had a Civil War is a little bit of a touchy subject. So they are currently looking and taking suggestions for a new name for the rivalry. I would like to submit my application for the War on the Willamette, the river that connects Corvallis and Eugene, Oregon, because we have the beavers up north and the ducks. Down south, and I just think it, it's first off having a rivalry game. The two mascots, be the Ducks and the Beavers, is fantastic. And also for betters, it's fantastic to know that Oregon is eleven and one in the last twelve against Oregon State. There have been some really bad Oregon teams in that stretch, and there have been some bad Oregon State teams in that stretch as well. So uh, I think this is a great game. You are getting and let me double check right here because the line has moved a little bit uh today even you are getting Oregon minus 13 and a half so again Oregon wins by two touchdowns you win your money i like it i think Oregon's a really good team uh the game against ucla last week where they didn't look too swift uh might be taking a few points off of this line for Oregon but i i like the ducks here uh Oregon state doesn't have it this year, um, they were looking like a program like Maryland that had a little bit of momentum for a couple of years there. Looked like they could get out of the basement of the Pac-12 and just haven't been able to do that. Give me the Ducks. They're still one of the more talented teams in the country, even with five or six players that opted out who will go in the first one, two, three rounds of the year. Guys, any thoughts on the game that I personally have dubbed the war on the Willamette River?
1: Yeah, what was the last time Oregon State was relevant when they had Jaquiz Rogers? I mean, that's one of the coolest names ever in college football. Was that the last time they were like a relevant football team?
0: I think the only time they've been relevant is they have, they beat USC when USC was kind of at their peak, like two out of three years.
3: You got to go way
2: back to when they both had Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada on the exact same team. And I remember that because... The elder scribe here I, i've actually watched those games but um i believe that's when they were almost bcs contenders that year and and since then nothing i mean they, they, they've really been just a non-factor uh as evidenced by i think when mike riley left to go to another power five team they just haven't been even close to being relevant since
0: great stadium and great uniforms though for oregon State. their stadium is gorgeous one of the most picturesque in college football but nobody knows it because they never play on tv because they're terrible at football uh but yeah give me the ducks in that one minus 13 and a half uh chris you have a game with another team that used to be terrible and now all of a sudden is a top 15 team in coastal carolina so hit us with that one they play texas state a feisty texas state team this year
2: Consider this the ongoing resume uh, builder for my Sun Belt Conference commissioner status. But Coastal Carolina, uh, I believe they're uh, now. It had moved. Out. I think they're a 17-point favorite versus Texas State, and so people will go. That is a ludicrous line because it's way too many points. You couldn't give me any more points. Uh, I think last week for me, you have to cement your place in my heart as a better. And when Texas, excuse me, when Coastal Carolina was only winning by four points last week as a five and a half point favorite against Appalachian State with like a minute to go, and they got the pick six to secure that line, I will ride or die with Coastal Carolina for the rest of the year, just based off of that. So you go to a new uh, net next week going against Texas State. Uh, I had to actually look it up myself. I forgot where Texas State is actually even located. It's in San Marcos, Texas, which is like somewhere right in between um, Austin and San Antonio. I'm pretty sure there's some amazing barbecue in that area. But other than that, um, Coastal Carolina comes in still with one of the uh, top 25 scoring offenses in the league. Texas State is good at nothing. I think they built a reputation off of playing Boston College close early on in the year when Boston College was like uh, probably asleep at the wheel for that game. And I I still think that this is one of those like Costa Carolina continues the Cinderella story. They win by a lot. They still set up that end of year matchup, which lost a little bit sluster last week with Liberty losing to NC state. I was really hoping that Liberty would beat out NC state. So you'd have this like undefeated matchup between these two teams. I'm still rooting for it. I don't care. Liberty with one loss still doesn't mean because I think they lost on a, uh, believe it or not blocked field goal at the end of the game, Go figure. That's never happened before, but um, that's still going to be a great game. Un- that's
0: yeah. just unnecessary, <laughs> the basketball season.
2: But uh, I-, I still think this Coastal Carolina is just – this is like – how you can root for a NCAA tournament team that makes its way like the George Mason team, like Coastal Carolina reminds me of that this year. They're just firing on all cylinders. Everything's going right for them. Jeremy Chadwell is probably going to get every single interview, which gets, I think he's already gotten one at the South Carolina gig or not. Um, so just, it's just one of those seasons where you just, you ride with them because of what they're able to do. And they've been covering every single week.
0: If they go undefeated, uh, do you think that they will get into a New Year Six bowl? Because you'd have to imagine Cincinnati and BYU both will be there as Group of Five slash independence. So would you? You would have you have to be undefeated and top fourteen, I believe, or top fourteen as a Group of Five. Yeah. I believe.
2: I think this is one of the years where we're back in the day under the BCS. They would just pair the two off-brand teams and have them face each other. uh, That would be like if, let's say, if um, Air Force of Cincinnati loses out and only one rises to the top, they would just say, hey, BYU, play Coastal Carolina and just get that game out of the way. Um, So for New Year's Six-wise, it just depends on if one of those teams loses. BYU has such a ridiculously easy schedule. I do not see them losing. I actually see them going undefeated the rest of the way. So it's going to come down to whether or not Cincinnati does anything um to to kind of ruin their season um but i just don't see coastal carolina getting the nod at all right now sunbelt's just not strong enough albeit it is a good conference um but i just don't think it's good enough uh to get them a new year six bowl
0: if, but if uh, i'll argue though if they have wins against liberty and a win against uh appalachian state is that better than BYU's one win against Boise State's third-string quarterback. Oh,
2: absolutely it is, but just uh, perception is everything, and national uh, voters do not probably consider that. Um, also, just with Zach Wilson on like a kind of pseudo-Heisman campaign right now, they're just a higher-profile team.
0: Understood. It'll, it'll be interesting to watch that as a storyline at the end of the season, not only the top four teams, but I think this year more than any, it's who's going to make it into the New Year's six with the weird scheduling and looks like three group of five teams that legitimately have a shot at going undefeated, uh, guys, are we missing any games? Anything we want to get to real quick? Um, anything fun, college basketball related
1: oh, over yeah!
0: NFL games on Thursday, Brett, I know you are known for your college basketball betting. Yeah. Uh, any NFL picks? I like the Cowboys. On Thursday. They're wearing the cool throwback white uniforms. So give me the Cowboys. I, I also have to speak of my fantasy teams.
1: I was gonna hammer Pittsburgh on Thursday, but we saw what happened there. So but I'm still gonna hammer them on Sunday because they just are, look absolutely incredible right now. So and I think I I think honestly they might take the whole thing and they might not lose a game the way they're playing. I mean, they're I think leagues ahead of anybody besides maybe Kansas City right now. In the NFL, they just look consistent every week, a healthy Big Ben. And I'll let Irby come in because he's a Steelers fan. But to me, with a healthy Big Ben, I mean, it's just very clear that this team is completely different.
3: Yeah, you know, I am terrified of Ben Roethlisberger, that images of him just throwing a just bonehead interception with a minute and a half left in the game haunt my nightmares. But he's better than Mason Rudolph. So you know what? We'll roll with it. I, I'm afraid this bubble's gonna burst, but, you know, I I feel like we're legit. So, if you can beat Kansas City, sky's the limit.
0: Chris, anything for your Thanksgiving Thursday?
2: It's it's uh, turkey versus my waistline. I like the uh, the over in that one. Um, to be honest, it's it's. It's going to be a pared down turkey this year in the, uh, the, the elder scribe household, but uh, I'm looking forward to just having a nice quiet. Uh, I think we're doing kind of like a conference Zoom thing with other families for some of the kind of social distancing stuff. But um, I, yeah, I can't wait to stuff my face with absolutely everything uh, on the menu, which is for us traditionally always turkey stuffing, um, cranberry sauce. Mashed potatoes and then whatever you can place on top of there, but we're those are kind of like the core four for us.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you one of my um, you know favorite childhood memory Thanksgiving traditions was after Thanksgiving dinner watching Texas Texas A and M uh, with my granddad and the rest of my family, and I loved it as a kid because obviously I grew up a Tech fan and it was the Orange team versus the Maroon team, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It's a shame that that game isn't being played anymore they need to get that back and it needs to be on thanksgiving thursday because that was one of the great traditions of college football so very sad that that is not with us another year but what i am really excited that is back is virginia tech basketball get your popcorn ready because mike young is building a program and guys my virginia tech surprise uh prop bet of the week so we're not really sure how many games Virginia Tech is going to play this year. My guess is going to be between 25 and 27. Um, they're scheduled right now for 27. Got to ha- imagine that a couple of those will have canceled here and there. So instead of doing over-under win totals, we'll do over-under win percentage of 67%. Over-under, 67% win. So let's say they play, if they were to play 25 games, that would be a record of, 17-8 and eight would get you um, above
1: 67%. Guys, what are we thinking?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if that's a little schedule. bit of math, but that's the only way. It I is. I'm
1: going to have to pull up like their schedule real quick. That's tough
3: just playing in the ACC. I mean, you know, especially with how, how often we're going to have to play like Florida State. I'm pretty sure we play them twice in eight days, maybe three times, something like that. Well, that's uh,
0: true. But I mean, if you look at Texas Basketball Central, they should be 8 0 heading into the UVA game New Year's. Right. Uh, right. If they take care of business, obviously. But uh, they should be 8 0 heading into that matchup. So, And obviously, UVA, a national title contender, as well as Duke, Carolina, and Florida State. Uh, Louisville's got some good players as well.
3: So, ACC. I'll go over. You know what? I'll go over. I love Mike Young. I love that
0: I'm feeling the same way I'm going over. I think this team can win about, I think this team could go like 18 and seven, which would put them uh, at around 10 and seven in the league, which I think would be a phenomenal mark. If you're, uh, we've talked about this off air. If you're above 500 in the ACC consistently, you have a darn good basketball program. Mm-hmm. I
1: think that's what Mike Young has right here. That's tournament. And that's NCAA tournament.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a top eight seed. I mean, you're looking at a seven
1: seed if you're 10-7 and in the ACC, for sure. The one one thing that's going to benefit this team is, I know we need Ed Williams in here. He's the the, uh, basketball guru, him and Mike. But this team has insane depth, which they didn't have last year. And I think that's going to help them a lot, especially games like Virginia, where they're going to try to wear you down all game long. So you're going to have multiple guys that can score and multiple guys that are going to be able to, I guess, handle the ball. So I think the depth on this team is really going to be able to make a lot of these games a lot closer than they were last year, just off the sole fact that guys are going to get rest and there's going to be more hits touching the ball.
2: So, yeah, the one thing I liked about this, and I think last year they went 16 and 16, and if you even as a non-basketball fan for anybody's listening out there, just just know that the ball did not move at all. Last year, really, it was a lot of uh, ISO hero ball. There was a couple of people that were really kind of like the primary kind of quote unquote scores on the team. And we either uh, uh, had them have a good game or not. And more often than not in ACC play, it was the latter. So I do feel like the freedom of movement that's provided by the influx of new veteran talent. So with, uh, I think it's about three people on the court or two people on the court getting heavy starter minutes that weren't on the team even last year. And they're all barely senior personnel. Um, it reminds me of a lot of like, I'm an NBA fan. So I'm wearing my Hawks hat right now. It reminds me of like the Hawks, like you had, um, some young core people now surrounded by like really high level veteran talent. It just improves the overall product. Um, so then you look at 16 and 16, which means um for that 67% over, they would need to win what was it, Sam?
0: So uh they would probably have to go 17 and 8 would be around. 17, if they were to play, play 25 so, games. So they're to play 27 games. Um looking at probably one more win there.
2: Well, 27 games is about five less than they normally would play in a normal season. So you would have to take away those five games and then say, hey, you need to win this much of an increase. So I'm going to shy towards the over just because I believe in the talent in addition to the depth. It's not just depth overall, but it's talent. And we have larger personnel as well, which is another key factor to winning at a high level. In ACC, you just need bigger, stronger, more athletic wings. And that comes with having more senior personnel. So it's not just having a new influx of talent, just having that talent be six foot eight and up and heavy and have big bodies. Uh, that's something that you just need on a day. And especially since uh, you're going to be facing floor state twice this year, those types of teams, which are uh, just known to be, I think, I think over the last few years, they don't recruit anybody who is smaller than six foot 10 with like a seven foot, like three wingspan, like just floor stays ridiculous. And that's just indicative of where the ACC is at now. You just need to be uh, more, more deep along the two deep and, and, and longer as well. We, we've achieved both of those.
0: So I think we for, improved for our listeners. If you hadn't gotten the a chance the last Sunday, Saturday episode with, with Billy and Pat looked into they interviewed Kevin Giltner, who is an assistant coach for Virginia Tech basketball, played at Wofford under Mike Young. And the guy is stoked on Virginia Tech. He is stoked on this program and how, how it's growing so quickly and in such a great way in direction with a strong foundation. And one of the things he said in the interview was, last year, we did not play how we wanted to play. That was not Mike Young basketball. That was not the offensive style. Uh, Or the defensive style, really? That Mike Young wanted to play. He wants to get a lot more paint touches, get to the free throw line a whole lot more, much much better on offensive rebounding. Uh, Those things weren't there last year. Actually, he brought up a good point that if you looked at advanced stats, they were better defensively last year than offensively. I think this team is much more complete this year. We saw them today against Radford. They looked terrible for ten minutes and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and then. They went by 16. They went by 16 because everybody's contributing. Everybody's playing tough defense. You can't make the shot. The buddy next to you on the bench can make the shot. So give me the over. Uh, I really think Virginia Tech is going to be a fun team to watch this year. And I, I think they're going to get two or three upsets. Tech basketball always does. I think they're going to get two or three really cool upsets this year. Guys, any final thoughts as we head into this holiday weekend? Nope. Stay
3: safe stay
0: safe yes enjoy your turkey and football safely enjoy travel safely if you are traveling and if you're staying at home uh you'll be thinking of your family friends and loved ones this thanksgiving we have lots to be thankful for and i'm thankful for football this weekend because we almost didn't have it this year keep telling yourself that when you're looking at kansas state baylor tell yourself that you're just happy that there's football. Guys, this has been awesome. Thanks for another week of Locks of Saturday. And as always, go Hokies.
3: Go Hokies.
4: Feels like a nightmare Basking in the light Just take over We get under Every warning They ignite Bright Isabella I'm thinking it through Everything I gotta do Burdens on the blurry lines That they drew To make it right